Open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, the song book of the Bible. I preached from Psalms 91 this morning. I want to go to Psalm 19 tonight for just a few moments. I promise you I don't believe it would be long uh, in preaching, but uh, I do trust God will say something will be a help to us in a very special way. I still, as I preach along, sometimes I come down to a whisper. I know I've got to quit when I do that, but uh, I trust it will last a few minutes. And then we'll see how it goes. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. Psalm 19. The song book of the Bible. And uh, God gave it to us for a purpose. It's filled with praise, adoration, exhortation. It's filled with just wonderful thoughts about the Lord. It presents probably every situation that people are in in their life. And sometimes one scripture over there says they reach wit's end. You've been there, wits in, and all the other troubles and trials that folks have. But Psalms 19 is like a beacon, and one of those correlates with Psalms 119. It's about the Word of God, about how important it is to our lives. Let's read the first six verses of Psalm 19, if you'll follow along with me, please. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day utter the speech. And night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their sword and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chambers, and rejoiceth as a strong man, strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and the circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. May God add his blessings to the reading of those six verses and the entirety of Psalm 19. Father, thank you for our church. Thank you for the faithfulness of many folk in this room. We have what we have tonight because of the fact that you're God. And Lord, folks have been faithful to the task of doing their very best for the Lord Jesus. I know we falter and fail from time to time, but may the best yet be to come. The brightest days are ahead, not behind us, no matter what may assail our soul. The songwriter said it well, it is well, it is well with my soul. So Father, may you speak to us for just a few moments and understand a little better how to know the great Creator and the great God, our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May be seated. I'm going to talk about three ways, if I get to all three ways tonight, at least start there. Three ways that you can know God. That you can know God. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, I believe it was chapter 3, Oh, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. It's one thing to know about God, another thing to know God. It's one thing to be able to grow up saying, I believe there is a God. But how do you know there is a God? How can you say definitely and dogmatically there is a God? I know faith comes in the equation. And I'll talk about it in just a moment. But how important it is to be able to say, I know God intimately, personally, in a relationship like none other that I have. There's no relationship like having a relationship with God. I'm talking about the great God of heaven. I'm talking about El Shaddai. I'm talking about God, Jehovah Shalom. I'm talking about the God who created the world from nothing, spoken into existence. 
I'm talking about the God who made everything there is that's been made. God did it. And the God who sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins. Most important thing is to know God in life. To know that God exists is good. And to know that you know that is good. But the important thing is, is to know God, not about Him. I know about many folks in the past. I know about Abraham Lincoln. Him and Miss Lewis went to school together. He was the 16th president of the United States of America. I have a great, had a picture of him hanging in my uh, office. And uh, somebody probably asked me, hey, do we go to school together when they see that picture? I also have a picture of George Washington. I know about those men. I read about their biographies. I've read historical facts. I try to collect pictures, especially when you find them praying. When George Washington beside his horse, down on his knees, Abraham Lincoln sitting with his head bowed, the great prayers he prayed during the Civil War and the reconstruction of America. Many things you can learn and we can digest from men of the past. But I never knew Abraham Lincoln personally. I never knew George Washington personally. I never knew any per president probably personally. I know about them. I've never shook their hand that I remember, maybe one time along the way. But most of those I know about. But I had something different about knowing about somebody and knowing that it's like Judy's testimony about her and Fred being together a long time. And the longer you stay together, the more you know each other. I'll mention that in just a moment before the end of the sermon. The more you know about God, the more you will love Him. The more you know about God. I'm talking about the God of this book. I'm talking about the glorious, almighty God. I'm talking about El Shaddai, as I mentioned a while ago. Uh, I'm talking about uh, the Elohim and all the directories and, and, and descriptions we give of God in the Bible and how great He is. Just a series in itself talking about all the characteristics of God. But it is important to know Him, and the more you know Him, the more you love Him. If you know Him real well, you've told Him several times today that you love Him. Let me stop and say again, if you know Him real well, you had to say you loved Him today. Amen. You said, the preacher, I didn't say I loved Him. And could your heart be a little cold towards your lover? He's the greatest lover of the world, the greatest friend you'll ever have, and the friend that stayed close to the brother. Amen. And somewhere we've got to be renewed in our revival spirit of just falling in love with God. Just falling in love with God. And uh, we sing songs about it, and we put the emphasis on love throughout February in the music, and thinking about how much He loves us. He, left, he lifted us from, from the miry clay of sin because He loved us. He loved us enough to go to dark Calvary and die for our sins and pay a debt we couldn't pay. I was looking a while ago at a little cartoon. Someone showed up on Facebook, I think it was, and had a preacher talking to his music man. He said, I'm going to tell you one more time. When I receive the offering and the tithes and offerings are given, I don't want you to sing, Jesus paid it all. He says, that gives the wrong message, and we won't change it. So, yes, Jesus paid it all, but keep tithing. You don't have to stop tithing. It'd be easy to do that. But He just loves us so much, it's hard to describe. But it goes beyond the highest star, reaches to the lowest tail. If I were a scribe by trade and the ocean was filled with ink and the skies a parchment made, to dip the quill into the love of God would drain the ocean dry. There's no way human words can ever describe the great God we have. I cannot define God for you. I've preached sermons on it. I've read articles on it. One of the greatest definitions of God ever given to us is in holy print. God is love. That's a great definition, but you can't define the undefinable. You can't describe a God who's indescribable. I've never seen Him face to face. One day I will. 
One day I'll look upon God and I'll see God for the first time. Don't know how I'll react. Don't know what I'll say. I'm not sure how it's all going to be altogether. But when He takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day that will be. Amen. And my hand clasps the hand that has the nail holes in it. And we walk together through heaven. Somebody says, Preacher, do you think you'll have that privilege? I think every saint of God will have the privilege. Every saint of God will have the right to take his hand and walk down through glory. Hallelujah Avenue. I think God's going to let us do that. You say, who do you think you are? Well, glad you asked. I am a redeemed child of the living God. I'm in the family. And if he loves me outside the family enough to send his son to down the cross, then he loves me even more in the family. I'm in the family. I belong to God and God belongs to me. That's not maybe a good way to put it, but I do belong to God and God lives in me and lives in you. And I'm glad the more we love him, the more you trust him. And the more you trust him, the more you obey him. All of our living is examples of barometers and sort of signposts. If I trust God, I want to obey Him. If I love God, I want to trust Him more. I will trust Him more. The more I love somebody, the more I trust Him. And the more I trust Him, the more I want to obey Him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The psalm tells us that this is a great revelation from God. From God. The veil's been taken away so one can see Him better. And so how do we know there is a God? Three ways you can know God. Number one, there is His Word in the sky. His Word in the sky. Number one under that, the heavens speak of God's person. Three heavens. I was listening, I was sharing with Wednesday night, Clarence Sexton, preaching about three heavens. Sort of caught my attention, caught my mind. Listen to it with rapid, rapid speed as he was preaching about the three distinct heavens that we enjoy. The heavens speak of God's person. The Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. It tells us some great things about God. And I read throughout the entirety of the Bible, we find a lot about God. And God come on the scene, and when he gave the book to Moses, in what we call the Pentateuch, the first book of the Bible is Genesis. It was written by Moses. Moses wasn't there when it all happened. So he took it down as God said it. In the beginning, God. That's all he said. God did in the beginning. In the beginning, God. He didn't try to prove he existed. He just said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And because of that reality, everything sprung from him. Everything's been made by him that's good. God is the creator and the redeemer and the restorer and the supplier. He's everything that we need. He's everything that we need. In him flows all that we need. And because of that, the more you know him, the more you love him. The more you love him, the more you trust him. The more you trust him, the more you'll obey him. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but trust and obey. So the three heavens speak to us of three things. It tells us where God lives. He lives in the third heaven. He's got a throne in the third heaven. The Apostle Paul was called up into the third heaven. I believe there's three spheres of life. There's the heaven above uh, the number two heaven and above number one heaven. I think there's a third heaven. I have never been there. Apostle Paul said it was such a marvelous thing. He didn't utter a word for quite a while. He didn't even share it. And when he gave the story, he said, I knew a man 14 years ago who was called up to the third heaven. It was so sacred to him. It was difficult to say, I'm the man that went up there. 
Now, if I went to the third heaven, I'd get my movie, I'd get my camera out, start taking pictures, and come back and put them on the screen and tell you where I've been, and I may have me a selfie made with God. You know, that's how we are. But Paul was so humbled by the reality, he didn't hardly mention who it was. It helped change his life. It helped him realize I am what I am, the grace of God. It helped him realize I have a thorn in the flesh. And that thorn in the flesh, God sends to me, to buffet me, a messenger of Satan to keep me humble. Everybody has a thorn in the flesh. What's yours? Everybody has something that keeps you praying a little more than you normally would. See, folks don't pray when they're on a mountaintop all the time. They may thank God while they're on a mountaintop. They don't do a lot of praying for things when everything's going well. And if you're not careful with the human nature in us, takes things for granted. But when we get down and when the battle comes and when the messengers of Satan and the fiery darts of the evil one and the wicked one are blasted at us and we fight those spiritual battles of Ephesians 6, the fiery darts of the wicked one. I'm going to tell you the devil's real. And he's out to run and to wreck and destroy every life. I said this morning, I believe our church has been under satanic attack personally. I believe individuals in this room and that have been here at church have faced some attacks with high pressure. We're talking about real pressure. And sometimes it does and You wonder what God's up to. Remember God's allowing this to be the barometer for our spirituality. What you are will be revealed in pressures of life. Your true character comes out in what you are when you go under pressure. When you go under the gun, it'll reveal the real you. And most of us in this room have pressure, been pressurized several times. And you wonder, Lord, how can I take any more? How much can I take? How much can I bear? And yet we find the heavens declare the glory of God. So he lives. Where does he live? He lives in heaven. He has a throne in heaven. And he sat down at the right hand of God. And the, 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 the bold come with boldness to the throne of God. That throne of God is somewhere out yonder. Only God and, and perhaps us hearing it from the Word of God knows anything about it. Paul was called up to the third heaven. He saw it by faith and then saw it by reality. I've seen the third heaven by faith. I've never seen it. I've never seen God face to face. I've never seen the heavens. But God has declared the heavens to be our landmark, that He is the creator and the sustainer of this world. The second heaven is where the stars shine. We see them by night. We sing a little song when I was a kid, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. How I wonder what you are up above the world so, so, so bright. I don't know the rest of this Twinkle, Twinkle stone. When I see Twinkle, Twinkle, I think of Twinkie bars, to Twinkie candy. But those stars shine by night. Brother Morris presented a thing in the chapel today about the magnitude of God's creation and how great it was. And we see such a little part of the creation of God and sometimes we try to figure out God. When you just step outside of your sphere of faith and try to see God, and then the only way you can get a description is the science has increased and they're able to see beyond the Milky Way, see beyond all the galaxies and see how far they see. We stand in awe. We do sing the song, How Great Thou Art. And truly, He's so great and mighty and powerful. And we can get a little glimpse nowadays that we didn't have for years ago I mean, pretty star up there is no stopping place for me. My ticket reads for a home above all jubilee. Someday, we, I remember a young lady when we was, in, was still at home. She sung that song. She sang a song. That pretty star up there, that pretty star up there is no stopping place for me. For me, and that's all the words I know, but I remember her because she was a beautiful, she was a beautiful girl. I loved to listen to her sing. 
but she sung that pretty star or that beautiful star, whichever the word was. That pretty star is no stopping place for me. Because of God's grace, one day we're going to be on the stars, the second heaven. One day we're going to be with God. Heaven's going to come down. And in reality, one day we'll be with Him forever and ever in the third heaven where He dwells. And we can come boldly now to the throne of God, which is in heaven. And Jesus sat down at the right hand of majesty, sat down at the right hand of God in heaven. He sat down. His sacrifice was complete. His duties were done as related to the earth. So where God lives, we see it by faith. Where God shines, we see by night. The stars show us there is another heaven. It's beyond where the bird dwells. It's there where the stars dwell. It's where the galaxies of the world are found. It's where all the magnitude of God's creation that go into billions and billions and billions of years uh, of travel. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. And to know how fast it travels, light that probably landed, I read the other day, that left Pluto, if light left Pluto and traveled to reach the earth, it would take, it would, it would take four and a half years to get here. That's how fast light travels. And it's, it's so big, it takes so long to get there. And all the great truths about how fast and how big the sun's 93 million miles away uh, from the earth. If it were a mile closer, we'd burn up. If it was a mile farther away, we'd freeze to death. I'll tell you who did that. God did it. Amen. And you're a fool. Let's go ahead and just say it real plain. You're a fool and an idiot. And if I had any good adjectives right now, Without cussing, that's saying, you are a fool not to believe in God. Amen. I mean, God made a mammoth world and said, well, it just happened by an explosion one day. And somewhere along the way, something had a hiccup and blew up and blew up and caused this great world to be made like it is. I just have more faith to say, in the beginning, God, than to try to come up with some concoction about how it all started through the process of evolution somewhere, sometime, someplace way back here and nobody knows when, millions and millions of miles or years ago, uh, there was an explosion up in the heaven, up in the world, and all of a sudden when it come down, it just come down and it was, it was earth. That's how it was made. I have a watch right here, and I'm going to tell you what, this watch, it's a Timex watch. I've got two of them. And uh, they tell time. It's... Uh, about 15 till, maybe 14 till 7, just for you who are keeping track. 14 to 7. And it has all the, they don't have all the bells and whistles. I got so tired of looking at the bells and whistles. I just wanted a 29.95 Tamex watch. So I've got, it has a light on it. If I wake up in the night, I sleep in my watch. It says, you know, watch and pray. And so I try to keep my eyes open. And I got a little button right there to push it. light comes on tells me what time it is. I'm so sleepy, I can't read it. But it's fun turning it on in the night. I look at it, see what time it is. So I have these two watches. But just imagine that uh, that was uh, this evolved from the lower species mechanical uh, finery. It'll all lay on the table. All the screws, all the little buttons, all the little twists and turns, all the letters, all the mechanisms are all piled up. And here's what's going to happen. It's just so simple that you, you can tell your kids. You got this watch parts. You put them all down there. You, you can even put the band on it. It's all just all broken. Nothing, nothing's together. But you're going to make a watch. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take it. And I'm going to throw it up in the air. And I throw it up in the air. And there's all the parts just flying around in the air. And when they make it back down to earth, 
It's a beautiful watch. It's like this one right here. That's how it happened. I mean, this thing about God doing all that, it was done through a process of evolution. Now, isn't that stupid? It takes more faith, more faith for me to believe that than believe in the beginning God. You've heard me say it many times. My dad told me when I started preaching, he said, when I said, Dad, I done preached all I know. And I did first revivals with him in 16 days. The first revival, I preached five or ten minutes a night. Finally got up to 15 minutes a night, doing real good. But I was preaching everything I knew and some things I wasn't sure of. I pulled every sermon outline I could find around the house to find something that will say it a little differently and be better than I could. But I began preaching. And I went to Dad and I said, Dad, I need, I'm out of sermons. And I said, I need something to preach tonight. And my dad said, son, listen to me. If you graduate from Genesis 1-1, you come back and tell me. But you go get in the woods and you speak to God and talk to God and talk to the Creator about what you need to preach about. He said, there's more sermons there than you can ever dare. And you can't out-preach the Bible and you can't say all there is to say. But when you graduate from Genesis 1-1, come and see me. Well, that's been many years ago. Dad's in heaven. And I've not graduated from Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. And He started all that we have and all that we enjoy. So the words in the sky, the heavens speak of God's person. He lives and by faith we see Him in the third heaven. He shines by night and we see Him in the second heaven. And the birds fly in the day when we see Him in the first heaven. And the eagle soars. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm glad for the wonderful atmosphere that we can enjoy in life just right above us. And I had the chance to fly many times over the years. And there was a time when I flew for the first time it was just a joy to go above the clouds and be able to look down on them you could be raining underneath you you could be above that it could be just as bright as could be but what a joy it was just to fly but to behold the first heaven from that side of the point the coin from an airplane to be able to know the second heaven the celestial place that god has made it declares the glory of god when something declares it means that it's outshining the outshining of god declares the outshining of god God is light, marvelous light, God, marvelous power. God speaks of His existence in the Bible, declares the glory of God. You can't have a creation without a creator, and all God's people would say, Amen. everything has to have a beginning except the one self-existent God. When God steps out on the edge of the eternity, God doesn't have to have a creator. He is the creator. He is the one and only creator. He is the great I Am. Moses, tell him who sent you. Tell them the great I am has sent you. I am is the only phrase that you can say that completes a sentence. I am. I am what? Whatever you put on the other side of the coin or the side of the verse, He is. But you don't even have to put anything there. I am the great I am. The seven I am of the New Testament are given to us. And He's every one of those. But you take Him away. He's still the I am. I'm the great I am. You tell them the great I am has sent you. And you tell every agnostic and infidel and and world leader and communist and political leaders and all the frustrated people around the world, the great I am is talking to you when you read the Word of God. And when you see the heavens declares the glory of God, someone put it this way, God stepped from behind the curtain of nowhere onto the platform of nothing and spoke a world into existence. And I want to say hallelujah, praise the Lord. He in the beginning, God created all there is to be created. And God made man when he came down time to make him. And he made him from the dust of the earth. We've been saying it recently. I picked it up somewhere along the way. All you are is a dirt ball, a dust ball. That's all you are. God made you, formed you, molded you, 
There you lay in Adam on the banks of the Euphrates River and God breathed into your nostrils the breath of life and you became a living soul and I am in Adam so I am just like Adam was and God put Adam in responsibility of the garden and gave him a free will to choose not because he had to, because he wanted to and Adam spent that time in the garden. How long? I do not know. But it came to a time and place in his life when Adam sinned against God, plunged the whole world into moral depravity, flowing through his blood, our bloodstream tonight is what we call depravity, depraved nature. You don't have to teach somebody to sin. They sin automatically. It is inherited in our ancestors and in our descendants. They're going, to, they're going to sin because they're made that way and because of sin. And I have the same privilege that Adam had to make a decision what to do. I can rebel against God or I can obey God. No man can create anything. He can rearrange a few things that God created. He can move from one place to the other. God created all there is to be made. Sometimes in my act of creation, when I see things that God created, I can take some things God created, a tree, and I may make something out of it. I turn it into a chicken coop or something. But I can never do the marvelous, majestic things that God can do. The heavens speak of God's person, and praise the Lord for that. The heavens speak of God's power, the size of the mighty universe. I mentioned light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Light moves from the earth past moon in two seconds. That's fast. Moon's 250,000 miles from us. The sun's 93 million miles from us. We'd have to travel, as I said, a while ago, four and a half years to get the nearest star uh, if light was traveling at 186,000 miles per second. Take four and a half years to travel to the nearest star. And we look up and see all those stars like they're real close together. Millions and millions of miles separate them. Light traveling now, on that speed of one per second, 186,000 miles, travel 10 billion years and still not reach the rim of the known universe. The known universe, what we know, it can travel for 10 billion years and we never see what's all behind that. I'm just simply saying, I wish I could describe it like we saw the other day on film, but I'm telling you this it's a mighty, 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 wonderful creation of God. And the heavens declare. Outshine, shine out of his existence, the great self existent one. <coughs> and God shines, and because he shines, we're able to see a little better. But it does not save us just to know the glory of God. It does not save us. It begins to reveal to us there is a creator. And in the beginning, and then the word of God in this passage is given to us to help us to further understand. Man was created up to look up. You ever think about it? All animals look down. They walk with their head down. God made us to look up. Our galaxies contain 100 billion suns, and our universe holds more than 100 billion galaxies. 90% of all astronomers, they tell me, believe in God. Or oh, they may doubt it when they start studying, but once they see the glory of God, the majesty of God, the power of God, the person of God, and begin to understand a little better scientific reasoning and scientific fact and the points that are given to us in creation and how the fixed points are there, like 93 million miles away, 250,000 miles away, 186,000 miles per second, etc. And those fixed things that are by God, God holds together. He's got the whole world in the palm of his hand. He's got the whole world in the palm of his hand. He's got you and me, brother, in his hand. He's got the little bitty baby in his hand.
raise hand. I'm talking about the great majestic God of eternity past, eternity future. God has no beginning. In the beginning, God for creation purposes explained it to us. But he was before there was. He was before there was anything. He was there before there was ever a, a lightning bug. There was, he was there before the rivers ever flowed, before the stars ever shone. He is in the beginning. There is no first. There is no last. He's Alpha and Omega. And everything before that, is, there's no beginning in God. God's always been. You say, preacher, that is plumb crazy. Well, thank God. I just Let me stay crazy. I mean, the God of heaven has no beginning. He has no ending. He's the first and the last. He's great Jehovah Jireh. He's the great God of eternity. And I need him in these days. No pressurized they are. And as the burdens come and the heartaches come and the tears flow from our eyes, we wonder where's God. God is the same place he's always been. And he's not upset. He's not disturbed. He's not caught off guard. He doesn't say, as we said many times, uh-oh. He knows exactly where we're at and everything's running right on course and God's got a ride in the palm of hand, it's going to happen exactly like God wants it to. Amen. And by the way, it's going to turn out good. Right. We got a hold of a little stick on the big sticks on the other end, but when we get to the end of this stick thing, that doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> when we get to the end of this whole thing, we're going to say, Woo! Amen. Glory to God! Amen. Hallelujah! For the wonderful fact that God is our lover. He's our creator. And he made us from the dust of the earth and breathed in our nostrils the breath of life as we are in Adam. And he's redeemed us by his blood on the cross of Calvary. And he went down and not only bled and died, but he went down into a dark tomb. And there three days later, he arose from the dead and he's alive forevermore. He is the glorious great God Almighty. And we love him more. Why? Because he declares his glory to us. Because we see it in the sunshine. We see it in the moonshine. We see it in the stars. We see it in all of the galaxy. We see all the greatness of God. And we just want to love Him a little more. Amen. Oh, what a wonderful God we have. The heavens speak of God's purpose. The beauty and the order and the harmony of the universe is but an expression of the will of God. These three laws of God, these are laws of God that are given to us. Not laws of nature. Somebody calls it Mother Nature. Mother Nature has nothing to do with it. It's God the Father. You say, well, it's just the way things are. It's just the way it happened. And they're convincing a generation coming up there is no God. Atheism is on the increase. Agnosticism, infidelism is on the increase. Humanism is on the increase. Uh, people who don't need God in their life. When they're coming down to cross over the other side, most atheists, if you have the words, and I've got them in print from others, what they said before they died. Some of the great atheists and infidels of our day. I have played the fool. I'm going to hell. That's a good testimony for an atheist to say. He could have got saved by the grace of God, but convinced himself there was no God. And then in his mind, he told others, there's no God. See, if you have no God, though, you're not accountable to anybody. You can do what you want to do. You can live any way you want to live. You're, going to, you're accountable to God, and so am I. And one day I'll stand before him and give an account for my life. Not for my salvation that's been settled, but for my sanctification, I've got to be judged according to God's will, determining my rewards in heaven. Well, let me close and say, God speaks to us, and His glory is displayed to us, and we're without excuse. The heathen, somebody said, why? How come they go to hell? They've never heard the gospel. The heavens declare the glory of God. I believe somebody really wants to be saved, and they've heard enough, then God gets somebody to that place where they could have a decision. A missionary, the Word of God some way, somehow, 
can get to them or the heathen people lost. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all people outside of Christ are lost. But the glory of God is revealed to us and it opens not only the glory of God, but you get down to where you talk about the statutes of the Lord are right. Verse 8, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eye. And the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey in the honeycomb. <laughs> Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, the great reward. He gives his glory, but he also gives his word. He gives his creation and his words is the scriptures given to us in verse 6 through 11. And I just mentioned these in passing. The scriptures are perfect. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And all seed is incorruptible. The incorruptible seed. God gave us not only the glory of God to declare his creation, but he gave a perfect word that we could understand it better. Revealed revelation. The revelation is revealed to us. The perfect law of God. You can't be saved studying the stars, but the scriptures reveal His grace. So when you get over the scriptures, you see the grace of God. Much power in the scriptures. They're perfect. They're without flaw, without error. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, correct, for, in, for, in, for, for correction and for all that it's responsible for. It slipped my mind when I'm trying to quote it. Scripture is plain. The testimony of the Lord is pure. Simple, I can't understand it sometimes, but so simple I can't understand it. There's some things I may never understand. There's some things I can understand pretty quickly. And when God gives a command, He don't have to try to dissect it to death what it means. We get so theological sometimes, we miss the main meaning, just the simple meaning of the Word of God. The Bible, that the wayfaring fool should not hear therein. The wise and the unwise can come to know Christ. And the intelligent and the non-intelligent can come to know Christ. The scripture is there to rejoice the heart. The books bring joy, sweeter than the honeycomb. The saints of the past have peddled their head upon the scriptures. The scriptures are pure, enlightening the eyes. Praise God for the truth of that. The scriptures are permanent. The judgments endure forever, the Bible says in this passage. Never out of date, never inappropriate. Apply to every age and every circumstance. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God shall never pass away. The scripture is precious, more to be desired than honeycomb. Man can't truly love God without loving his book. Amen. Compare the stacks of money of every gold mine, much more than all the fine gold is the word of God. Moreover, is the servant warned. That's why a preacher does it reproof, giving scriptures to reprove us, to help us to understand the glory of God revealed to us to show us the Word of God, to reveal to us our need of Christ. And all that's important. I close with this statement. I'm through. Take His Word in the sky, creation, and His Word in the Scripture. That is revelation. And take God's, as it applies to your own heart. The Holy Ghost of God lives on the inside to teach us all things. And Jesus said, I will send the Comforter, and He will teach you all things that I have commanded you. And the Holy Ghost of God will convict us of sin. Who can understand the error? John 16. God's convicting power by the Holy Spirit. He cleanses you from your sin and your secret faults. 1 John 1 7. He controls, keeps back thy servant, keep back thy servant from sin. 
gives liberty to us to be able to enjoy the Christian life and you realize that we should not sin and that we have a way to get cleansed by confessing our sin. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my life, the conclusion of this message tonight, even though it may be feeble, even though it may be very simple, it may be read most of it, listen to me. To know Him is to love Him. Say it with me, please. To know Him is to love Him. And to love Him is to trust Him. And to trust Him is to obey Him. And the whole message is contained in this passage of Scripture. And the glory of God shown to us. Listen to me. To know Him is to love Him. To love Him is to trust Him. And to trust Him is to obey. You say, Preacher, I don't know if I can trust Him. That's the reason we have trials. That's why we have problems. That's why we have heartaches. Because without those, we wouldn't learn how to trust Him. If everything went well all the time, I could live hinky door hinky, hinky. I could live some way in there. I could live a certain way and just coast along through life if I never had any trouble. Trouble energizes you. Trouble motivates you. Trouble is one of the things that God sends to His people. You say, why does God do that? To help you to grow, mature in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And all of us are going to go through things. And I said a while ago, and I've read it several times, and I read even this week a preacher who said his favorite verse was, It came to pass. I look back over these years of ministry and my Christian life. I reminisce more than I used to. I think about a lot of things that have crossed my path those early days of preaching and teaching, being able to cross the oceans and go to other places to preach when my health was good. I've been able to do things that I'd never be able to do without God, and I'm grateful for that. But it's been a process of learning. And I don't know what great I'm in. Uh, I like I may have touched the hem of the garment of God, but He walks with me and talks with me. I'm not everything I ought to be, but He's everything He ought to be. And He grows nearer and nearer, my God, to Thee. And I think as we live our Christian life, we need to be reassured everything's all right. Pillow your head tonight on the promises of God. And many of us have said that. But when the problems come, we begin to doubt. You think God don't love you? God loves you. God loves me. God loves everybody in this room. And He'll love you throughout all eternity. And God can't keep from loving you because that's His characteristic. And He loves sinners to the mouth of hell. He loves them all the way to when they drop into hell. He loves them. And I'm grateful for a God like that. The heavens declare the glory of God. Let's stand together, please.